0: Hello, welcome to another mini episode of my best bets for the week. We had a nice week last week going 3-1-1. and We pushed the Rams game um, on that last minute late drive by Tom Brady, which never should have happened. So we should have went 4-1. And I mean, you could even make a case that we could have went 5-0. and Vegas blew a 17 point lead for the third time this year. Um, so we were pretty close on those. But you know, you win some, you lose some in those cases, so you can't really complain too much. But overall, a good week, 3-1-1. One, and one. Um, So nice to have our third winning week in four weeks here, so we're building some momentum. My power rankings, after making my own spreads, ended up going 8-3-2. and two. So my numbers seem to be coming into form a little bit. So I'll talk about those a little bit as I go through my games, um, as I always do. And I'll I'll certainly go against them in a couple situations as you'll see later on. So we'll talk about week ten coming up here um, with some of my picks. I got five picks for you, so stick around. Um, we should have some good games to highlight and some some good handicapping. Hopefully, we can uh, have another winning week. Okay, so let's um start with. The earliest game on Sunday, which is the 9.30 a.m. start because it is being played in Munich, Germany. The Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's talk about the narrative of this game right now. Um, You know, Seattle is coming off of a big win against Arizona, division win, their fourth straight win. Tampa Bay getting back on the right track, going to Germany um, after their win against the Rams by three on that last second drive that I had just mentioned. So who do I like? I like the Seattle Seahawks at plus two and a half. And quite frankly, Seattle Seahawks are the better football team. And to me, I don't know how this game can be favored to Tampa Bay. It might be an overreaction of Tampa actually winning a game for a change. It could be an overreaction on thinking Tom Brady and is Tom Brady. And you know, they they just should be favored against the Seahawks. Could be an overreaction that the market hasn't adjusted to Seattle being a six and three football team. And they're pretty darn good. So let's take a look at some trends here that kind of bode well for me on this. Pete Carroll playing in the East Coast is 25-15-3 and against the spread. Now, I know this is in Germany. So you're like, well, they've got that extra travel time. They're coming all the way from Seattle. That's got to be killer, right? Hmm, wrong. Seattle is actually flying over the North Pole. Waving down to Santa Claus as they go over it, which means they are cutting down time on their travel. It is actually only a 10 and a half hour flight for Seattle going to Germany, where Tampa is actually a 10 hour flight from Tampa to Germany. So it's only a half hour flight difference. So thinking that, ooh, Seattle's gonna have that longer travel, that's gonna be an extra few hours in the plane. Maybe you know a little stiffer, a little extra, less time to prepare. The whole deal, not the case. Seattle being smart about this, flying over the North Pole, they're taking the most direct route. That's good math for you. So I do like Seattle's travel case. I don't. Well, I don't think you can make a case against them in terms of travels. And if I were to play this game on a neutral field, I actually have Seattle as a one and a half point favorite. That's where this game's being played. It's a neutral field. Tampa's not going to have over, you know, home field advantage. There's certainly going to be a lot of Tom Brady fans there, um, but I don't think you're going to see, you know, much favoritism on one side or another. So it's a neutral site, which doesn't give any team home field advantage here. Tom Brady um, against Geno Smith is 0-4 ATS in his career, um, just behind his worst quarterback uh, matchup, which was 0-5 um, ATS against Eli Manning. So there you go. Can't spell elite without Eli. So Tom Brady, 0-4 ATS against Geno Smith. Uh, Brady is also 1-2 straight up and ATS against Pete Carroll. He's played him three times. Um, and this is the first time Brady will start a game at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, uh, which is his first game earlier than 1 p.m. in his entire career. He's really old. Maybe he can't get up that early. Um, I mean, I know it's different. With the time change but you know maybe he's maybe he's going to struggle with this a little bit more than other quarterbacks now i don't love the trend that favorites overseas are 27 9 and 1 ats or sorry uh straight up and 23 and 14 ats but again like i mentioned earlier i don't think tampa bay should be favored i think seattle is the better football team when you look at their points. Per play, Seattle is second in the league in points per play, fourth in yards per play. Tampa Bay is 25th in the league. They do not do well on offense. So even though Seattle may not have a stellar defense, I think they're an okay defense. I don't think they're awful. Tampa Bay does not have an offense that can exploit that, and Seattle has a good offense. And Tampa, you can argue their defense is very good, but remember they have lost Shaq Barrett, and they tend—they haven't generated the same pressure since his absence. Seattle runs the ball. At the third best clip in the league at 5.2 yards per carry, Tampa's actually 20th against the rush in that category. So they can have some success on the ground with Kenneth Walker. I think that that can bode well for them. Tampa Bay is 32nd in the league In yards per rush at only three yards a carry. So even though Seattle's 25th in that same category, Tampa has not proven that they can actually run the football. And if you look at their head-to-head matchups um, or their dual game log this year, Seattle, like I said, is on four-game winning streak. Two of those games are against Arizona Cardinals. And you might be thinking, okay, Arizona, not a great football team, but just think about how hard it is to beat the same football team twice in one year that must mean you got to be a pretty solid football team, and I think the Seahawks are certainly that. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, they've played pe- people like the Rams, um, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, all within the fast fat, past five games. Um, so, you know, they haven't really been tested with an offense that, quite frankly, Seattle has an offense that is pretty good. So I do like Seattle here at plus 2.5. So for the next pick, we are going to the Buffalo Bills, at minus three and a half at home against the Minnesota Vikings. And you might be thinking, well, slash, hey, we don't know if Josh Allen's playing. That's okay. I still like the Buffalo Bills at minus three and a half, even if it's Case Keenum playing quarterback. I think last week against the Jets, you know, that was a, a kind of a ideal letdown spot for them. Look at the games they played before the Jets. They played at Baltimore, uh, at home against Pittsburgh at Kansas City, at home against Green Bay. Those are four tough games, tough teams, regardless, you know, throw the records out the window. Those are, you know, intense teams there, high-strung games. Um, you know, they have played a, a pretty good stretch of football, and last week, you know, Josh Allen, he made some mistakes, and but the Bills overall were competitive. You know, they certainly should have or could have won that football game, um, you know, and give the Jets some credit. But the Buffalo Bills, you know, I think they might be on a little bit of a downgrade here because of their performance last week against the Jets. The Vikings, on the other hand, they're seven and one. That's a good football team. But if you're telling me you were impressed by their 20 to 17 comeback win over Washington, then you're out of your mind. You know, quite frankly, I don't think this Minnesota Viking team, as I mentioned last week, I don't think that they are, you know, worthy of a seven and one record sure maybe five and four or four and five in that 500 ish range i don't think they're a seven and one football team so i think this line is slightly inflated because of that and again i mentioned it last week because we did bet on washington last week against the vikings which did win um if you bet at three and a half when you know we kind of released this podcast i think it did end up moving to three so you might have pushed um you know, they're, they haven't really proven themselves on the road. Um, and, you know, you could even argue that they didn't do that this past weekend against Washington. And now they have to go into one of the most hostile environments in the NFL, in Buffalo, and try to win a football game there. That's going to be a tall task, I believe. So I like Buffalo at home. And even, as, even if Case Keenum plays, right? Case Keenum started two games last year as a backup with the Browns. He won both of them. He beat the Denver Broncos, and he beat the Cincinnati Bengals in January in the midst of their end-of-the-season run. They beat the Bengals by five at home, and, of course, Keenum will be home here as well. Keenum is a, a very capable backup, and all he needs to do is not make mistakes. They have an excellent team around him, and as long as they can do that, I don't see how they can lose this football game, even if it's uh, Case Keenum starting. There's no way. I I, I can't see the Bills losing back-to-back games. They're too good. They're too talented. This is a perfect spot for them. Coming off a bad game, they're going to rebound back home. I think that's key. So I really like Buffalo here. And if we can get them at 3.5 and Josh Allen does end up playing, I mean, how much do we love that number, right? Three and a half with Josh Allen playing. I, I love it. You're not going to see that number again in the rest of the year, maybe until they play Kansas City in the playoffs. That might be it because I love that number. Um, so go ahead and take three and a half. If you even want to wait a little, um, and maybe it, 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 money might be coming in on Minnesota right now. You might be able to catch this at minus three even in places. So um, keep an eye on it. If Allen is ruled out, You could even find this game at maybe even two and a half or something. Um, Keep an eye on that. I don't think it's going to go the other way. Um, But if it is Josh Allen, of course it is probably going to go back Buffalo's way. So just kind of be on the radar there. Um, If you do like this game to bet, um, just pay attention to that Josh Allen news. But I do like the Bills minus three and a half. They are, let me pull it up here quick. Um, They are, after a loss, they are 11 and four straight up nine and six ATS. So um you know they and you know seven and four ATS at home in that same stretch. So um you know they're they're coming back home. I think it's a good spot for Buffalo. Give me the bills. So I told you that my power rankings went eight, three and two last week. Well these last three picks that I'm gonna give you are all going against my power ratings and I'll talk about why for each of them as I go through them. But the first one that I'm going to is let's go back to Washington I'm going with the Washington Commandos at the Philadelphia Eagles at plus 11. I like Washington and here's why. Okay, this is a divisional matchup, right? Throw all these records out the window. Records don't matter in 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 divisional matchups, and even if they did, okay, Washington's 4 and 5. They're right in the mix of wild card action here in the NFC. They're a solid football team. Now, these two teams did play earlier in the year, and it was 24 to 8. Philly controlled, dominated Washington. But keep in mind, that was Carson Wentz playing quarterback. And you might not think Taylor Heineke is an upgrade to Carson Wentz, and maybe he's not statistically, but the team certainly plays harder and better when Taylor Heineke is the quarterback. And I think you're going to see a good-spirited effort here From Washington at Philly this is a big game for them they of course do not want to lose to Philadelphia twice in one year and underdogs now this is a Monday night game right Monday night in the spotlight whole country's watching right big game a lot of motivation here underdogs um, on Monday night football double digit underdogs are 27 13 and 2 in the last 20 years that's pretty darn good and overall double-digit underdogs at night, Sunday night and Monday night and Thursday night as well, are 63, 47, and three ATS over the last 20 years. So the trends suggest that these double-digit underdogs perform well even if they don't win okay they make it competitive they keep it close and I think that's what Washington can do Washington can do here of course Washington has their struggles with Tyler Heineke at quarterback but their defense has been playing much better of late they've been hanging around games they obviously gave Minnesota a seven and one team a good run for its money last week of course, you know, I don't love Minnesota, as I mentioned, but another kind of stat that I like to highlight is the turnover margin. Philadelphia is first in the league in turnover margin at plus 1.9 turnovers per game margin per game. The the uh, Washington Commanders are 25th in the league at plus 0.4. So they are pretty much even, right? So why do I like Washington if those are the stats? Well, quite frankly, turnovers... A lot of luck is involved with turnovers, right? It could be, you know, a, a tipped pass. It could be um, a strip fumble, which are, you know, things. You know, if other factors can influence those numbers so philly is first in the league in turnover margin which is great but how much does that even matter at some point that tends to balance itself back out so i think you know even though they've gotten lucky with turnovers earlier in the year um you know i, I think that that kind of bodes well for washington and that it doesn't typically stay that way it doesn't typically keep that same trend it usually levels itself out so i and i mean this is you know a big divisional matchup. They played last year in January, and Washington covered. Um, the, you know, the, the underdog in this matchup has covered four of the last five matchups, um, and the last time there was a double-digit underdog was Washington back in 2019 in this matchup, and they covered their 10 points. So you know, it's going to be a close one. It's a good divisional game. Taylor Heineke kind of spirits that offense. Ron Rivera, I think, is a very underrated coach. He can get his guys ready to play. They'll be ready to go Monday night against Philly. I like Washington at plus 11. For our next bet, we're going to Vegas. We're going to look at the Indianapolis Colts versus the Las Vegas Raiders. And this is another one that I'm going to go slightly against my power rankings. I mean, my power rankings have it pretty darn close. Um, So, you know, you can pick and choose, I guess. But I am going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders at minus six against the Indianapolis Colts. And We all know what kind of struggles Indy's having right now. They've fired their coach, Frank Wright. They got um, Jeff Saturday in there who hasn't coached a lick of football. And they've got some 30-year-old assistant calling plays. They've got a rookie quarterback. They've got all sorts of issues on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I think they'll still be solid. But, I mean, let's be serious, right? How many points are they going to score against I mean, any team, not just Vegas. I mean, Vegas doesn't have a great defense, but how many points are we really expecting them to score? 10, 13, 17, right? I I can't see them scoring into the 20s, that's for sure. And what Vegas has been able to do is they have been able to have 17-point leads four different times this year. Now, they've blown three of them, but do we expect them to blow a 17-point lead if they were to get up that much against Indy, against a team that can't score, can't move the ball, has new people calling plays, new coach? Probably not. I think Vegas, you know, is much better than their record is giving them credit for. And I, you know, Indy, these are two teams that I think should be on opposite trajectories right now. I'm not going to look at a whole lot of trends for this game because we got two kind of rookie quarterbacks or rookie uh, coaches here, and of course Jeff Saturday. Who the heck knows? I mean, how well does he even know this team? I think they'll respond well to him, but I think they're so limited on offense that that's only going to get you so much. They're still not going to be able to move the football. I mean, you saw that last week week against New England, which is why we were on them, and it was... Exactly, kind of how we thought it would play out. How New England was just going to let Ellinger make his mistakes and just let that offense just kind of sputter, and they're just going to kick their field goals when they need to. They got a defensive touchdown late, exactly what we kind of thought was going to happen. So, I think something similar is going to happen. Now, I don't expect as much of a defensive dominance by Vegas, but I do think Vegas has a better offense than New England has. So, I think we can see. Um, a similar maybe margin, maybe not 23, but something like 10, 14, 17-point victory here by Vegas. They need this win like blood. They know they're a good football team. They have the talent. They have the players. They just haven't been able to put the pieces together. And after that loss last week against Jacksonville, I don't think motivation's going to be an issue. I think they know that they can this is a game that they can have. And I think they're going to be ready to write the ship here against Indy, who is in all sorts of trouble here. So give me Vegas at minus six. So for the last game here, again, I'm going to go slightly against my power rankings, but again, it's really close and it could go one way or another. But I'm taking the Denver Broncos. That's right. The offensively challenged Denver Broncos um at the Tennessee Titans. And there's a couple things that I like about this game. For one, we don't know for sure if Ryan Tannehill is going to play, which means if Malik Willis plays, oof. You know, I mean, look, they played a competitive spirited game against Kansas City, but all the more reason to think that this could be a letdown spot for them coming back home after a tough loss in overtime against Kansas City. And, I mean, Malik Wills completed five passes last week. He completed six the week before. He's not going to beat you with his arm, which means Denver can stack the box and they can force force them to throw the ball. They can try to stop Derrick Henry, which might not work all the time, but they can get the numbers in there. And let's be fair, too. Denver has one of the best secondaries in the league, and they average in they're first in the league in opponents yards per pass 4.7 yards per pass which what does that tell us that tells us that they cover downfield and they force quarterbacks to check it down that's what that means so in my mind right that's what they're going to do they're going to be able to shut down these receivers which they don't have a number 1 arguably a number two receiver on their roster, so they're going to easily be able to man up these receivers, which gives them seven in the box, eight in the box, and they're going to be able to stuff the run and force Malik Willis to beat him with his arm, which he's not going to be able to do. Now, Denver has struggled offensively, right? There's no arguing that they have looked poor offensively, but they have, believe it or not, They've been on a little bit of a better trend with that win against Jacksonville, um, which I think they saw some things in that game which were able to work. And then they did have a bye week. Road teams off of a bye are very successful, particularly road dogs off of a bye. So I like the spot here for Denver. Russell Wilson is 33, 18 and 2 in his career as an underdog, um, including 3 and 1 as an underdog. With the Broncos, so even though the Broncos hasn't haven't performed well, they're actually three and one ATS um, this year with Re- Wilson at quarterback. Um, so I, I like the spot here. They're a road team off of the bye. Uh, I, I think it's a good spot for them. They can kind of work out some of those kinks, get some things fixed, and I'm just not so sure about. Tennessee, how they're gonna react after this game against Kansas City. Mike Vabrel is only eighteen and twenty-two against the spread as a favorite, which they are favorites here. And if Malik Willis is quarterback, that's not a good spot. If Tannehill plays quarterback, well he's just dealing with an ankle injury and we all injury and we all know that Tannehill gets a lot of his big plays off of being able to move around in the pocket right do some bootlegs things like that I'm not sure how mobile he's going to be able to be if he's got a bum ankle right so they might be a little bit restricted on what they can do with Tannehill and like I mentioned they don't have any good receivers so they're not really going to be able to create separation from Patrick Sertain and the others so I really think that this is a good spot for Denver even though they haven't looked good they've looked ugly everybody likes to fade them because they they just haven't Met expectations. We sort of thought in the beginning of the year that um, Nathaniel's hacking offense would take about half of a year to really kind of start clicking and maybe the bye week was what they needed so I wouldn't be surprised if Denver comes out with with some new wrinkles and and some things that are working a little bit more efficiently against a a team that is a very good football team don't get me wrong but I don't like the spot after coming off of a, a overtime loss on the road coming home shorter rest because that was a Sunday night game Broncos had the bye week you know, I, I think this is a good spot for Denver and a bad spot for Tennessee. So I like the Broncos at plus two and a half. All right, so that does it for this week's picks. I'll recap them here quickly. I went with uh, the Washington Commanders at plus 11. We went with the Vegas Raiders at minus six. We went with the Buffalo Bills at minus three and a half. We went with the Denver Broncos at plus two and a half. And went with the Seattle Seahawks at plus two and a half. So those were the five best bets of the game or of the week so those are the ones that i'll put up on the website um you know if you want more information okay go to draftdaysports.com the power rankings are up there you can see those picks and spread the word right If, if you're making these picks and if you're like me where you share all your bets with all your buddies and and let you know what you're playing and you guys are are glued to the tv on sundays and trying to you know Playing your bets and doing live betting and whatever, right? Get them to draftdaysports.com. Get our bets out there. You know, help each other out. Uh spread the word, right? And hopefully we can get you guys some more winners. Again, we're three out of four weeks here. We had winning weeks. So looking to build off of that. If we can keep getting winning weeks, right, that's gonna be a good thing. So um enjoy the games this weekend. We've got Arizona or Atlanta and Carolina tonight. Should be an interesting one. Uh, we're probably gonna stay away from that game with the spread and the total, but we might sprinkle a few props in there. I haven't looked at the game too much yet, but uh, you know, I, 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 it's too close to call. I think those teams are too evenly matched. Uh, Carolina, a big revenge spot for them after that devastating loss a few weeks ago. So I don't feel comfortable playing a side in this one, um, and I don't feel comfortable on them either scoring points or stopping each other. So who knows? Um, but uh, enjoy the games this weekend, and uh, we'll be back next week with some more Best Bets.